Episode 17 with Tanya de Jong. Normally I would play the regular Meditation Freedom intro, but this time I'm going to let Tanya's beautiful music lead the intro with her new song called Heaven on Earth. Sing like no one's listening. Love like you've never been hurt. Dance like nobody's watching. And live like it's heaven on earth. Sulla terra, 
What a beautiful voice and what a beautiful music. I hope you enjoyed that and we're going to play a couple more tracks throughout this episode. One in the middle and one at the end. And I think it's better than my intro and outro, so I figure why not replace it with the beautiful music that Tanya Diong has offered. And I'll have links to her music in the show notes as well, Meditation Freedom slash 17. And I'm very grateful that she didn't listen to folks telling her and many of us that we're not good enough and our voice isn't worthy of being expressed. I'm grateful she did cultivate her unique voice and is now fully expressing it and giving folks like myself renewed hope in the future of humanity and its ability to flourish. So before we get into the interview, a little bit about Tanya de Jong. She is a leading Australian soprano, inspirational speaker, social entrepreneur, spiritual journey woman, and creative innovation catalyst. She founded Creative Universe, Creative Australia, Music Theatre Australia, Potpourri, and The Song Room, and she works with diverse communities through the With One Voice Choir social inclusion programs. And she also sings around the world as a soloist and with her group Potpourri. They've released seven CDs as of this time. And Tanya is also founder and executive producer of Creation Innovation Global. And on the show notes, I'll paste her TED Talk also about how singing together changes the brain, which sparked international interest. And then the music that you've been hearing is from her solo CD, Heaven on Earth. So with that, let's get right into the interview with Tanya Diong. Thank you, Tanya, so much for joining me on this podcast. It's a pleasure. So we want to talk a little bit about singing, of course, but this podcast is about meditation primarily and its benefits and why folks meditate. So maybe we can start out with how you got started or if you do have any experience with meditation. Yeah, well, absolutely. I started doing TM back in my early 20s. Um, I was never very disciplined, (laughs) but um, I've found meditation um, to be wonderful, but actually really, for me, singing became my meditation. So one of the great things about singing is that it's an active form of meditating, and when you sing, you really have no choice but to be totally in the moment. You know, you have to be conscious of your breath, and you can't really be thinking about anything else. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> because, right. Because, you know, your, your, your body is your, your human instrument. And if you think about something else, well, then either you're going to stop breathing or you're going to forget your words, or if you're not singing any words and you're just singing sounds, then the sounds are going to stop anyhow. So to actually sing sustained sound, and what singing is, is, is sustained sound, you have to keep your breath going. And, you know, as everyone knows, when you meditate, it's all about not just the inhalation, but particularly focusing on the exhalation. And that's the key of good singing is, is having a really even exhalation of breath and that's what the sound sits on. So, you know, the most important thing, and I often say to people, you know, if you just practice hissing, you know, you breathe in and then go for as long as possible, mm-hmm. that gives you a sense of what happens underneath when you're singing, the singer sustains sound, you need to just keep 
the air flow going. Right. And have, <laughs> have you found that meditation helps you with singing in any um, way? Yoga, yoga has. So I guess, you know, I've done a lot of yoga as well. And again, I find that an active form of meditation. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I tend to, to be more um, passionate about active meditation. I, my mind is busy. <laughs> mm -hmm. so, so sitting and meditating is hard for me. I mean, I do it, but I, I don't do it often enough. Right. And, you know, one of the things, because I, I chant, uh, which is a kind of singing in uh, my Zen tradition, and what I found is that letting the breath sink allows you to project from a much deeper place and use your whole body as an instrument as opposed to maybe That's someone right. who might be inexperienced who would use just the top part of their body as an instrument. No, that's right. Uh, I mean, chanting and singing properly, singing correctly, engages your whole body right through, you know, from, I say, from Mother Earth, um, you know, from Mother Earth, you bring the sound, the energy through your whole body. It's like, for me, I feel like I'm breathing right from my feet through mm -hmm. the earth, and I feel this, like, incredible energy um, sphere or circle all around my body when I'm singing, and it is way more than just, you know, from the neck up or, you know. <laughs> and, and one of the reasons that a lot of people actually find difficulty in um, unlocking the full potential of their voice is just because they are thinking of their voice as just from the neck up. You know, my voice is my voice box. and Right. And so when you do that, I mean, you fail to engage a lot of the also resonating cavities that are in your body. So your body is like a resonating instrument. And so there's resonators in, in your chest cavity. There, of course, there's resonators right through your head. A lot of people also find it difficult to engage um, their upper, what I call amplifiers or the, <laughs> if I could draw this, it would be good. But, you know, the resonators in all parts of your head because a lot of people have a very tight jaw, which is um, another issue that stops you from using the full capability of your your voice. Um, so you're absolutely right. And chanting does, when you chant in that, you know, in that patterned way that chanting is, you start to relax your jaw a lot more as well, which means you access more of your resonators. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned clenched jaw. Is there... When people learn to sing and become more mm -hmm. uh, comfortable and authentic with it, there, there's a psychological types of mm -hmm. boundaries that they have to get through too, right? How do you? That's right. How do yeah, you? Yeah, it's work letting with go. That? It's all well. It's about letting go. Yeah. Um, so a lot of us who have tight jaws, and a lot of people have tight jaws. I mean, it was something that you know I had to work with for a long time, and a tight tongue root as well. The root of your tongue can get very tight too, and it's really just about um, there's certain exercises you can do. Um, where you could gradually release your jaw, which I do, I still do before I go to bed every night, just to make sure that my jaw is relaxed. I'm not grinding my teeth in my sleep or something. But it is also about letting go of control. You know, mm -hmm. often when we're holding on to um, issues or wanting to control our world instead of practicing acceptance, we start to get very tight in our jaw. And, you know, when we get angry, we get even more tight in our jaw. Right, right. <laughs> and, and, you know, when we're afraid, we often might hold our jaw as well. So relaxing that jaw 
hinge, the hinge of your jaw is, is extremely important, the TMJ, as it's called. TMJ, okay. Yeah, there's a, what's that, these something mandibular joint, anyway, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, are there other parts of the body that need to learn to relax as well to, mm. in order to fully express uh, your voice? Yeah, absolutely. So um, another thing that, that a lot of people do when they're singing is that they lift their shoulders up a lot. And so, so they're breathing in the only, as you said before, in the upper part of their chest cavity. You know, so you, you'll see them and they'll do a huge heave of their chest and their shoulders will lift up. So the other thing is you have to learn to breathe at the base of your ribs all the way around through the front, the sides and the back of your ribs. Um, I, I liken it to blowing up a, a balloon inside your stomach sort of thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. you feel, so you have a, a balloon and then you blow it up and it's, it's, it's all the way around, it's 360 degrees. Um, and so you have to learn to breathe like that because that, that also induces a relaxation response. When you breathe in the upper part of your chest, that's a stress response. Right. It's a, it's a fear and panic response. Right. So it helps people with anxiety problems too to, to sing. Totally. Oh, singing is probably, singing would have to be one of the best ways to heal anxiety and depression that I know of. I mean, I've seen a lot of people, you, you know about our Creativity Australia with One Voice programs, you know, our choirs that I talk about in my TED talk. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of people come to those talks who are suffering from depression, anxiety and other mental health issues. And I've seen a lot of people who've been able to, if they're on drugs, and some of them have stopped taking drugs because singing's the greatest drug of all. Wow. <laughs> it's very good for you. There's, it's, yeah, well, maybe it's a bit addictive because it makes you feel good, but it's in a great way. It's like, you know, it's like exercise. You know, it is exercise. And it's exercise of your brain and your mind and your body and your soul and your spirit. And it's extremely good for you. I describe it in my, my TED talk as the super duper drug. <laughs> right. My drug of choice. <laughs> right. And you also mentioned that it takes you out of the box thinking because you say we're kind of putting ourselves in boxes all the time and, and we're mostly yeah. left brain and not really spending much time cultivating our creativity. Uh, maybe That's you can right. explain a little bit more to someone who might be unfamiliar with that. Yeah. So um, basically our brain is like a battery and the right side of our brain, which is our creative, intuitive um, side of our brain, is like a charger. But we spend a lot of time, especially in today's world, on the left side of our brain, analyzing uh, a lot of data. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're always being overwhelmed with a lot of information. It said we spend about 85% of the time in the left side of our brain. And that drains our mental batteries. So it's very important to do activities which renew and recharge the right side of our brain so that we actually don't get tired, burnt out, depressed, you know, stressed, etc. Right. And the really important activities for that are, well, of course, singing is one of them, but meditation is, is another. Um, walking in nature, you know, playing with, you know, your pets, um, your love, cuddling your loved ones, um, being creative in other ways. That they are all extremely important ways to recharge your mental battery. Right. And often you'll find that when people are suffering from depression and anxiety, 
um, and just general sort of worries and so on. It's because they're not doing enough of that sort of activity. And, and part of that isn't part of that uh, related to society's expectation to always be looking for results and productivity. Yeah. You know, like it's... Mm. It's, it's all like about the bottom line. The and, bottom line, right. Yeah, but actually, you know, organizations are much more likely and individuals are much more likely to achieve their goals if they are actually recharging the right side of their brains because it actually helps people to think more clearly. It helps them to be more productive mm -hmm. um, and it helps people to think more positively and proactively about the future, whereas when people are very drained, very burned out, very sort of stressed by the bottom line, they actually go into a very driven pattern and it's very unhealthy to be in that, you know, in that left brain space all the time. And, and that's one of the reasons why we are seeing more and more cases of depression and anxiety in the world. I mean, mental health issues are rising all over the world. And, and I think um, depression is now, you know, it's considered one of the the main chronic illnesses and of the of the Western world, certainly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Come into the present moment. Feel the peace that surrounds you.
And so you mentioned uncovering your your creative voice or your your own unique expression, and that's kind of an interesting contrast with at the same time you're being one voice and mm-hmm. and so how do, how does someone visualize or imagine that they're also uncovering their own unique voice as opposed to group singing do you mean or yeah like when you're when you're singing as one body in in a in a oh, group okay. that's that's a wonderful way to let go of our our mm-hmm. real s- solid sense of individuality that's right uh, but at the same time it also somehow brings forth that unique in- individual talent. Mm. Maybe you can mm-hmm. explain that interesting uh, dynamic. There. Yeah. Well, so with so with our with one voice choir programs, um, we bring together very diverse individuals, age nine to ninety of all faiths and all backgrounds. You know, CEOs with asylum seekers, people with depression, you know, and job seekers, and and others who are struggling with their lives, and. What we find in, by doing that is we're not um, putting people into a, into a box, you know. So instead of, say, here's a choir of hard knocks or homeless people or migrants or job seekers all together, it's like let's bring together all these diverse voices and when they come together as one voice, mm-hmm. the outcomes are actually even greater because actually people who are very diverse want to learn about one another and want to help one another and also by being with people who are very diverse you start to realize actually we're all the same we we you know we we suffer the same fears the same hopes the same dreams really as human beings we're all part of this universal consciousness mm-hmm. and we're all connected and there's something really special about singing with other people because you know some of the research even shows that our hearts start to beat together when we sing together Mm. We, so we not only breathe together, but we actually, our hearts start to, you know, isn't that amazing? I mean, it's just that is amazing. such amazing. Yeah. yeah, and so there is this connectedness, but it's by having these unique voices. And also when you're with very diverse people, your creativity sparks in new and different ways because you know, most people spend most of the time being around people who are very similar to them. Mm-hmm. You know, we dress like, you know, talk like, uh, it, you know, we hang around with people who have a similar type of education, assets, all of that. But I believe that the sort of greatest gains we get to, to become more creative and unlock more of our human potential is when we actually connect with people who are very different from us. And we learn a lot from being with people who are very different from us. Plus, it sparks our creativity. And yet, yeah, it might make us feel a little bit uncomfortable but getting out of your comfort zone is the best way to unlock more of your creativity and your unique voice and you feel more alive too yeah as long as you stay within that safe comfort zone you know life becomes very you're in the box you know you know and in a sense i you know on my ted talk do i talk about my theory of boxes i think i do yeah you You mentioned that yeah yeah do you want me to mention that sure yeah yeah you know sort of you know we start life being born and we're sort of in a bassinet box-like shape and then we um, we're in a hospital which is you know the shape sort of box-like shape and then we go home live in a, a house if we drew the house it would look like a box and then we go to the supermarket and buy boxes of stuff and then we go to school and often unfortunately in schools they teach us to think in a box we have our mobile phone box in our pocket we have our laptop or screen in front of us another box yeah. Um, you know, we, we often have to tick boxes and forms 
And then when we, when we go out of life, you know, guess what? You know, many of us go out in a box, right? And right. So I have this theory that life happens between the boxes, you know, mm-hmm. on the bridges, on the bridges where we connect with other people, where we connect with a larger universe um, and where there's, there's much more than what we really know and see every day. And so to connect to that, we have to get out of our comfort zone. Otherwise, yeah, we're going to live a pretty boxy life, right? (laughs) And how do you encourage that? I think the biggest way to encourage people to get out of their boxes is to connect with people who are really different from from you regularly. Mm -hmm. You know, if you connect with people who are very different from you on a regular basis, one of my friends, I run this big innovation conference called Creative Innovation Global, and one of the the speakers there, Scott Anthony, always says, um, befriend an alien. You know, go to your local cafe or, you know, your work cafe and, you know, the, the people who are sitting there on their own in the cafe, go and sit down next to them. You might actually find that, you know, you share something, that there's some real synergies between you. You might end up doing a project with them, learn something new. And don't just hang out with the people you've always hung out with. Look for new experiences in your life. And if something really scares you, go and try it. Um, right. You know, and, and a lot of people are very scared by singing. I mean, and public speaking also as well, I mean, for that matter. I, I, glossophobia, which is a description of fear of public speaking, apparently, and sorry, not just public speaking, but speaking in public at all, 74% of people in the United States are said to have glossophobia. <laughs> right, it's like the yeah. second lar- biggest fear, or, or maybe even worse than the fear of death. I, mean, I don't remember yeah, the it's, exact it's a big, it's a big fear. And then, yeah. you know, if I ask an audience, you know, about 85% of people will say that they have been told at some point in their life that they can't sing by yeah. either their parents, their kids, their partner, a teacher at school or something. You know, they've been told to lip sync in the choir or go out of the room or just terrible stuff. And... So if 85% of people have been told they can't sing, that a lot of people have a fear of it. They, they say they're not good enough. Now, this would never happen in a place like Africa because, you know, all the tribes in Africa or in the South Pacific Islands and whatever, they all sing together. As a, as a matter of life and culture, they sing together. They sing in harmony together in the churches and the schools and the fields. And singing is a tribal and primal um activity and it's only in our western world where we've got so precious and somehow we think we have to be really good and there's such a culture of celebrity Uh that we think oh we're not good enough and we start judging ourselves and so i say to everyone out there who's afraid of you know if you think that you've been told you can't sing well go out and go out and do it you know i was told as a 14 year old never to bother having singing lessons and many times later i was told i'd never make it past the chorus i was you know it's like if I believed that, well, I would not be sharing that gift with the world today. And that would be sad for me and, and for people who get a lot out of hearing me sing. But every single person was born with a voice to share with the world. And that's not just their singing voice. I mean, our voice is our reflection of who we are as a human being. Right. You know, voice is the language of our hearts. And many people who are disadvantaged in their lives are also, their voices are silenced, not just their singing voice, but their voice. You know, people often feel like they can't speak up. They can't express themselves. They can't say what's truly in their hearts. And they go through their lives never doing what they truly want and hope to do. Right. And that's pretty sad. It is very sad. Yeah. 
Yeah. So uh, I'm a big believer in how can we, well, you know, my, my, my vision in life is to help people uh, to find their true voice. Yeah. That's what I'm passionate about. And, and, you know, my other vision is to change the world one voice at a time, which we're doing through Creativity Australia. And um, we have this big global campaign we're launching this year called Sing for Good. And the goal is to get two or more people from any group, family, workplace, school club, singing a song of their choice, whatever they like, videoing it, popping it up on YouTube and then getting their friends and families and networks to vote and donate to support uh, disadvantaged people around the world. So sing for good. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, very cool. (laughs) Yeah, So, you know, we have a lot of big projects on the go that are designed to help people to find their voice, to connect with diverse people and to improve their well-being and creativity. Right. I think, especially in the West, people feel like they're, they're never, it's never good enough or they're not good enough. I know I grew up that way, and that was one of the reasons I came to the United States to try to uh, decondition myself from that. And that's not easy. You know, a lot of pe- mm. For a lot of people, that's such deep conditioning. No, that's right. Um, I mean, a lot of people are changed into their self-limiting beliefs, that they, and, and a lot of that comes from, you know, your childhood. And... You know, people, usually our caregivers do their absolute best to give us the best upbringing possible. But nevertheless, you know, things happen. Te- teachers sometimes say things to children that they shouldn't say. And the fact of the matter is usually things that we're told negatively as a child stick with us much more than the positive. So we have to be very careful right. that what we say to young people is encouraging um, and constructive because... I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, like literally tens of thousands of people who have remembered things that they were told, you know, between the ages of usually zero and 15, um, that they remember for their whole lives and which stops them from being who they really are. Right. But but it seems like it's part of the mm-hmm. system too, that you get reminded more than in, in more than one way that it's not good enough. And you mentioned the celebrity culture too. Yeah. That's a, that's another constant reminder that somebody else is is great and and you're just yeah you're just living an ordinary life and in actual fact every life is extraordinary exactly. you know when you you know when you speak to people um, in our choirs you realize that every single person is extraordinary and actually you know I learn more from the people who are very disadvantaged than from anyone else in the world because. You know, there's a girl in our choir, for example, I talk about in my TED Talk, who's, you know, she's got cerebral palsy um, and she has such incapacity and yet every week she comes to our choir program, she's so happy to be there, she laughs, she says, this is the highlight of my week. You know, through our wish list program, we've helped her get jobs, she's found male companionships, she's... Every week she wishes for a male to feed her supper. They line up to (laughs) feed her supper. She knows all the words of every song off by heart. I don't know how, but she knows them. Doesn't sing in tune on time, but that doesn't matter. (laughs) But every week when I go in there, if I'm having a grumpy day or something, I see Beth. Her name is Beth. And she's so happy. And I pinch myself and I go, Tanya, your problems are absolutely nothing, you know. And she teaches us about gratitude on a weekly basis, but also... We have to remember that, you know, we could be that person. 
it's just the luck of the draw where we're born and, and what our life circumstances are. And, you know, one of the big choices in life is to decide, are you going to take things for granted or are you going to live with gratitude? Right. And, you know, she very much helps all of us to remember how important it is to be grateful. And yeah. she's so grateful herself in spite of all her adversity. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's amazing. And from your, uh, your new CD where you talk about bringing heaven or heaven on earth, what's your inspiration for that? Mm. Yeah, well, look, my inspiration for heaven on earth um, was that I wanted to connect that higher consciousness that we all have, you know, to, to earth. So I wanted to create a CD that would take people to a heavenly space, so a space of transcendence and meditation, reflection, illumination. You know, it's like songs of love and angels and so on. And that would help people to feel more light and love and peace. Mm -hmm. And so the music that I've selected is, so some of the music is reimaginings of some of the really great orchestral and symphonic works by composers like Mozart, Dvorak, Foray, um, Beethoven, these timeless classic works, but I've written some lyrics to those works and they've been rearranged into actual songs. And then there's also some um, original works. So there's a piece, the title track's called Heaven on Earth, and it is that beautiful quote by Mark Twain, sing like no one's listening, love like you've never been hurt, dance like nobody's watching, and live like it's heaven on earth. So the title actually came from that quote, heaven on earth, because Mark Twain, that quote is my favourite quote. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, you know, I think people do need to sing like no one's listening. It's like, just sing, you know, state your truth. And, and then there's also some standards um, on the CD, like Summertime and Somewhere from West Side Story and La Vie en Rose that Edith Piaf sang, but again, with beautiful arrangements. So it's just come out just a few weeks ago and was like a two-year project. And the, the great thing is everyone who's got a copy so far has just been um, raving about it and saying it's taken them into this other complete other space. Like Dan Millman, um, who wrote Wave the Peaceful Warrior, he came out to Australia and we did a workshop together just recently and he just found it like a, yeah, just loved it. You can yeah, see it's his, wonderful. His, his review on my website. And it's really, for every human being, it's like, you know, we all have our daily issues, you know, the humdrum of life. And But then it's how do we get to experience the glory of life? Life is so special. It's so incredible to be alive. And looking at nature and being out in nature is, is a real key, actually, for also, you know, as I think I mentioned before, for, for connecting into the right side of the brain. Right. You know, just looking at a rose, smelling a rose, like it's just so beautiful. You know, where do these things come from? It's like, <laughs> it's beautiful. And and they teach us about about that very thing, that we're all unique and we all have a total right to be here. That's that, right. These roses and these flowers, they don't, they don't have that judgment that humans feel. That's right. And the same with, you know, of course, with animals, you know, and, yeah. and, and being, being a co-dog lover with you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, dogs don't make judgments and, and they're just unconditionally loving. And I think for every human being, it's how do we get more into that space of non-judgment, of acceptance, of love, peace, um, letting go, so that we can truly experience our lives in every moment. Right. That's wonderful. And then have you, do you have any tips for someone who wants to be more in that place, but they have like all these things that keep them from feeling that? Look, I think the key is you just have to reserve a little bit of time every single day that is your time that you are going to do something that you love um, or something that challenges you, but ideally something that you love that just gives you a gift. Um, You know, it could be a beautiful bath and you play some beautiful music in the background. It could be going for a walk in nature. It could be walking on the, you know, by the ocean. Incredible to walk by the ocean with those negative ions. Every time I walk the ocean, it re-energizes me. Um, Singing, of course, singing, meditating, you know, and just being, just becoming aware of your breathing every moment and just trying to just let go of the past and and any anxiety about the future because the the only moment we can can really have any control over is this exact moment now and that's all there is. Right. Uh, And and also just going, you know, if my life was to end today or in a month, what are the things that I would do? What would I do with them? And um, start doing those things. Wonderful. Yeah. The rest of your life starts now. Exactly. <laughs> well, for anybody who's mm-hmm. interested in learning more about you, and I'll be sure to post all these links on the website too, mm-hmm. but maybe you want to mention anything uh, that people can go and follow up on. Yes. I mean, a few things. One, I love to leave everyone with my favorite quote, which is um, by Rabbi Hillel, who said, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? And if I'm only for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? So I encourage everyone to not put off any longer doing the things that you would really love to do and trying some new and different things, uh, and especially singing. Find your voice. (laughs) And if people want to connect with me, um, I mean, I guess you'll put this on the podcast, but there's a few websites. One of them is www.tanyadeyong.com, which is T-A-N-I-A-D-E-J-O-N-G.com. www.creativeuniverse.com.au. And if people want to see what we're doing with um, the With One Voice choirs, www.creativityaustralia.org.au. And since my TED Talk, actually, you might like to put the, the link of my TED Talk up to Sipo. Definitely. Um, since that talk, we've had inquiries from all over the world, including Holland and USA, where some people have started up some programs, some With One Voice programs, using our unique With One Voice model in other countries um, and, you know, villages and towns all over, all over the world. So, you know, we do aim to change the world one voice at a time. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks again so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No, it's an absolute pleasure. I think what you're doing is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this interview and the music of Tanya DeYoung. 
And by the way, the song that was played in the middle of this podcast was called Soul Journey from the Prelude to Infinity. And if you are interested in learning more about Tanya, you can go to the show notes and that is meditationfreedom.com slash 17. And I'll have links to her websites, her music, and her TED Talk. And it's been about a week since I interviewed her and now I'm putting the, the show together and I'm thinking about how I too was one of those people, one of those kids who was told to sit in the corner after I, I might have been uh, causing trouble too, so I'm not sure. But I think my voice too was told to go take a back seat. Benjamin Disraeli said most people die with their music still locked up inside of them. Expressing yourself as a human being is an important thing, and it's important to find your voice and uncover it, allow it, be transparent to it, and not cover it up. So in a way, you're uncovering what's already there, but that can be quite a process. Anyway, if you enjoyed this episode and you have some comments, or even if you want to say hi or something... You can just go to the show notes, meditationfreedom.com slash 17, and maybe leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Sign up to the email newsletter. It's always great to hear from somebody who's listening. So thank you. I'm going to wrap up this podcast with the final track from Tanya. It's called Angel Song, and it's adapted from Pavan in F-sharp minor, Opus 50, by composer Gabriel Fauré. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Enjoy, and until next time, take care.